Welcome to the second episode of the Making Mark Wrestling Podcast. Last episode, we watched John Cena vs. AJ Styles. This episode, we moved over to New Japan Pro Wrestling and watched Okada vs. Shibata. Before we get into the match that we just watched, there was a bit of like um, a redoing of last episode. Because last episode, uh, I there was something I wanted to do, but totally slipped my mind when we were actually recording. Which is that I wanted Laura to give each match a rating out of five stars, similar to what Meltzer does for wrestling matches. But, you know, I forgot it last session, so we're going to retroactively <laughs> uh, give that match a rating. So, Laura, what rating would you give AJ Styles versus John Cena that we watched? Uh, Well, part of me also is like, I don't want to rate something too high so early on in the podcast, because... My education is just beginning, right? Then we're going to watch tons of stuff. But I also just thoroughly thought a lot of it was over the top and it was drawn out, not in a good way. And just a bunch of the, just a lot of like over the top showboatiness. And so I'm going to give it a two out of five. Okay. So now that we have that out of the way, now that we've made up for our mistakes from last time, um... Let's move on to the match we just watched. Shibata versus Okada from New Japan Pro Wrestling from Sakura Genesis in, I believe, 2016. So, let's just start with our usual. What are your what were your overall thoughts of this match? I'm already so much more invested and into this match and this style of wrestling than the one we watched last episode. I keep wanting to say last week, but it wasn't last week. It was two weeks. But just it, there was a lot more nuance, I think, to this style. There was a lot more times where it was a lot harder to tell, like the way they were disguising their blows and the the falseness of the the sport and the performance. I speak like it was a lot more hard to tell, and also a lot of it was just straight up real. The dude bled. Someone someone headbutted so hard that he started bleeding in the match. I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> Are we allowed to swear? Are we trying to keep this PG? Uh, well, I like, <laughs> ideally you want to keep them PG because it makes them easier to find and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I totally didn't think about I that until of, just now. <laughs> I accidentally swore a lot last episode, so we've already got the like because of the first episode of me accidentally swearing. We've already got right. the adult rating, so now All we right. might as well. Because we All can. right, cool, okay. And then I don't feel that bad then for saying that. But yeah, I also also like I I think I mentioned it in the first episode. I had a very brief stint as a teenager where I did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or BJJ for short so like I recognized some of the holds and the submissions they were doing so this one also resembles a lot more like the actual like sport of wrestling like you do you know in like high school and you see in the Olympics and stuff so I enjoyed that but it still had all the like as the match went on, a lot of the entertainment value and some of that like showmanship and some of the flashier like well in a real logical fight you wouldn't do this, but in the context of wrestling, like it makes total sense kind of moves. So yeah, first impressions of this match are infinitely more positive and I had more fun watching it than the match we watched last episode. Okay. Um yeah, I, I had a feeling that you might enjoy this one more, but obviously like when you know You've been so new to wrestling, it's sort of hard to get a feel for what you might like, what you won't like, stuff like that. Oh, I also thoroughly enjoyed the aesthetic of these wrestlers. None of the long, like, wet, greasy hair all over the place. And, like, they still look giant and jacked and buff, but not in a, like, scary, weird, unnatural way. Like, it was, like, they looked almost, like, normal, like, just fairly tall men at times, and then they'd do something, and all of a sudden, these muscles would just appear out of nowhere, like, on their back. Like, all of a sudden, holy shit, your delts, and, like, your back just look like you became the Hulk out of so nowhere. I've got funny, so I, funny story I was much more just as a female watching the re- the match. I enjoyed looking at these two a lot more than looking at, no offense, John Cena and AJ Styles, but they're just not my tech. Um, so I've got a funny story for you. You know, you're saying like on the sort of camera in this place, they look a lot like they don't look as big as like the WWE guys do. So there was a story once that circulated and God knows how much truth there is to it. But there was a story once that despite how like good Okada is and how he was the top of New Japan pro wrestling for ages, 
Vince McMahon, who runs WWE, never ever wanted to sign him. Until one day, someone casually mentioned that Carter was six foot four, and then suddenly Vince McMahon became super interested in him. Yeah, I heard them mentioning Okada's him. height a fair amount in these matches. Uh, so I was like, I guess that must be one of his trademark things, or make something that stands out. He must be one of the tallest yeah. in that like league. So, since we got your overall like thoughts on the match, shall we start working your way, uh, working our way through your notes, and then anything you know I've got that you you know didn't pick up on, we'll go through afterwards. Yeah, sure. Um, immediately, I thought of the start. Um, the the thing about I will give the like American, North American, whatever wrestling scene, uh, like WWE related world, they are really good at bringing the like hype and getting everyone really pumped up at the beginning there was a lot more production value in like the entrances and the walk down this one was fairly pared down it was like here's these two guys coming to the ring okada had a little bit of it with the like blingy coat and i believe i even wrote a note where i was like okada's bling gives me life and his spangly jacket that and i loved money <laughs> down from the sky. yeah like that that i thought was a little bit i was like i literally wanted to be like weird flex but okay uh, just for the meme. And then I said, lol, everyone immediately has to clear the money and it takes longer to start the match. Yeah. Then like 12 people descend on the ring to like sweep it out of the way. And I'm like, that makes it even more obnoxious what he just thing, did. There's one thing they did that uh, WWE didn't, don't do that uh, I was wondering in your opinion of, which is before the match started and either of the wrestlers come out, they show a video montage showing everyone who's ever held the championship belt. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. It, like, really, like, a lot of people like that because it really sort of shows the lineage of the belt and the history of it. And it sort of, you know, adds to that, like, the importance of the belt. It is, because it makes it feel a lot more prestigious right away and adds, like, gravity to the match. Because the other thing, too, as someone who wouldn't know, especially as someone who doesn't know anything, it still immediately impressed, like, the importance of what was about to happen on me. Whereas the AJ John Cena, it's like, all right, we have a montage of them trash talking each other and just like the build up to why is much happened but that still just felt kind of like again like tv soap opera level dramatics rather than this felt like a lot more just like yeah. prestigious and worthwhile and more of a like competitive and like historic nature almost rather than just two grown men being drama queens <laughs> Another thing I wanted to ask was, um, you spoke about how much more sort of toned down it was and stuff, and how At only the Okada start. really had the, you know, showboaty stuff. He only had like it was only him who had the, you know, flashy cloak and the money raining down from the sky. And I wanted <laughs> to ask, did you pick up on like the stark contrast between Shibata and Okada at the start? How Shibata comes out and he just sort of gets in the ring and stands there. And he's wearing just black trunks, black boots, and that's it. Yeah. He doesn't showboat to the crowd. He's there to do business. You know what I mean? He's there to wrestle. And yet he had the crowd from like the minute the match yeah. started. Like they're all like the felt like the whole room was chanting like Shibata, Shibata. And I never Okada, once heard people cheering for Okada the whole match. Whereas Okada comes out and he's you know wearing this flashy outfit. He's showboating to the crowd the entire time. Money rains down. And it's such a stark contrast between this showboaty, arrogant dude and then this just serious, deadpan guy. Yeah. Who's just not flashy at all. And there's actually a really great camera cut that I don't know if you noticed that really showed it off, which was when Okada was climbing up onto the ring post to, like, showboat to the crowd. The way the camera shot it, like, you could see Shibata stood in front of him just looking super unimpressed. Yeah. And, oh, I love that camera shot so much. Yeah. I also to say overall I like the camera work a lot in this compared to uh WWE, at least that that match. It felt there was a lot less like it was still, you know, there were a fair amount of like cuts and changes from one camera angle to another, but I still never felt like overwhelmed. It wasn't a less like frenetic or frantic or just constant way compared to the North American stuff. It was more like the cuts were for a reason. It's like, oh, they've now moved where this one angle was no longer doing the best, like, fan service I was watching at home. So we swapped to this one. Whereas the other one just felt like swap, 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 swap for, like, dramatic effect rather than, yeah. no, here, look so you could see best what they're doing with their bodies. So uh, we're jumping forward a bit here, but it's just while we're on the subject of camera work, 
What did you think of when Okada did his, like, pose before his, like, big move? And the camera does the, like, zoom out as he spreads his arms? I did think that was kind of cool and bring, like, the crowd back into it. Because that place was packed. Like, that was clearly a big deal. Um, it was also just very different. Like, I've never seen anything like that done in the limited, like, bits of pieces of wrestling I've seen. So I, I liked it. I thought it was a kind of cool cool shot and like added a bit of artistic flair all right so carrying on with your notes now that we've gone on a <laughs> tangent about camera work yeah also it started like really slow almost the match um like i wrote like weird hand holding at the start but feels more like real wrestling by real wrestling i meant like the like greco-roman like what you'd see in like the olympics and stuff like that you know where again it's about the holds submissions rather than like finishing moves and the big like over the top stuff about it and for a while i thought i wonder if the whole match is gonna be like this but as the match went on it definitely got a lot more into the familiar territory and by the end it's like all right this is much more wwe-esque and but i liked that it started out a bit slower and a bit more it's almost like you could see them like sizing up their opponent and playing like some mental head games like all right like get his movement style and try and like start to predict what was going to happen. I thought that was cool. And the moment where it changed too, I could pinpoint it to me. The first time, because I did it a few times, the first time they got into just this like punch off, well, not really punching because they would use their forearms because that way you can still hit them for real while they absorb most of the blow with their pecs. But the where they did the like, I'll punch you, then you punch me, then I'll punch you, just like, who is stronger? Some weird little pissing contest in the middle of the match. From then on, it became much more like the WWE, the bigger moves, like running up like to the ropes and running back and drop kicks and the bigger flashier things that would There's... get more of a rise out of the crowd. So to elaborate a bit on like the start is that um... There's one thing that you won't have picked up on and I don't expect you to pick up on because it's something you need to have watched Shibata a lot to pick up on. So I don't expect you to know this, but it's just to tell you so you understand like the beginning a bit more. Is that Shibata used to always, like, in the whole run-up to this match, every match he had, he would start it by just rushing his opponent and beating the crap out of them. That is how he'd start every match. He'd just run at people straight away and just start teeing off on them. That's intriguing, because that is the opposite of what happened. Yes. And you could see at the start of the match, Okada, like, ready for him. You know, he was, like, lower down in the corner, like, ready for him to rush him. And then Shibata just didn't. He just sort of casually strolled up towards him. Yeah. And he, like, totally throws Okada off. You know what I mean? And another small bit of storytelling that I, I don't know if you picked up on was when they were doing the Greco-Roman style proper wrestling at the beginning... Shibata was just dominating Okada. Oh, yeah. And, like, I remember thinking at the start, I was like, oh, man, well, this is going to be... If, like, if I hadn't seen the timestamp in the video you sent me, like, if I didn't run, oh, this is, like, a 46, 48-minute whatever thing, I'd be like, well, this is going to end fast. And I was like, this guy? This guy's the champion? Like, really? 290-whatever, like, days as as the top? Uh, But, of course, I guess that's what they want that's a storyline they want to craft right because that's what'll yes. make the most dramatic reveal and so like so, they it clearly worked until like at, at first before i started more critically thinking about what i was watching i was like nope that my brain is doing exactly what they wanted it to with this story it's like um the thing is though what's amazing about it is he the thing is he's out wrestling a card the whole time but just not really doing much with it like he, he's just sort of like moving from position to position showing that he can without actually doing many submissions well yeah because there was a one part at the beginning too where it's like he had him okada's like screaming like an anime character in pain and then he hold on, let me see exactly what i wrote about it he like he, he like lets him go and then Shibata gets down on the ground, probably like, here, look, I'm making it easy for you. Like, come at me. Look, I've already done half your work. And I'm like, I get that this is maybe trying to mind game him and be like, I'm that much better than you. I'm so confident. I'm already, yeah. like, putting myself in this weaker position. But it still just felt so, oh, it felt so wrong. So wrong. I immediately wanted to be like, what are you doing? 
Get up! Um, yeah, so it's like, it was sort of like the idea of that um, he's so much better at wrestling that he'll like just let Okada have the top position. Yeah. And he's confident he'd still win anyway. And for the record, I know you say like that seems really sort of unreal in a fight, but that is a thing that has actually happened in MMA is people who are really good at wrestling but not that good at striking will... It's very, very rare, but it has happened. Just like laying on the back and been like, come get me. Interesting. I'm not, I'm not standing and striking <laughs> with you. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah. going to lay here and bring it to the ground. Yeah. And then there was... Um, Okada got him a little after that at some point and he does this like super fast like I, I don't know what anything's called and i can't remember exactly what he did but like in like three really quick movements he'd gotten out of like the hold and like flipped away and i just wrote damn he's fast and that cool i wrote that cool flip kick up thing was sick this shows you how much i know of what moves are called and how well i can describe them <laughs> and another thing is that like after they after shibata out wrestles him for ages okada tries turn the match into a striking match. Yeah, that's like I said, that was to, the change that yeah. I noticed when it became much more like WWE. And then Shibata still just beats him at that as well. Like, they yeah. stand there striking for ages and Shibata's just like, he couldn't care less, but Okada's like dropping to his knees and all sorts. I also really liked how they do that because like WWE, they do the, like what we do in stage combat when I learned it in school. I was like, you just make sure so the angle looks like, so I throw out a punch and the punch goes towards your face, but there's actually, say, like, an inch or two inches of, like, space of air between my fist and their face. They react, and I would, like, you slap your own, like, chest, like, collarbone area to make the body, like, skin-on-skin impact sound. And the audience is just positioned, so they don't see that your fist never made contact. And the problem with wrestling it's in a ring you can't ever do that with everyone and my critique of wwe is the camera work a lot of time picks up on that because they do their punches very similar these guys are doing full-on contact but rather than punches they were doing this forearm thing where it starts out like a punch and then it's like forearm to your to like your jaw your neck and your chest because those can take a bit like there's clearly still impact but a lot of the force comes from the downturn of the punch into a forearm hit and so that they're like the meatier parts of their body, like their pecs, chest, collarbone area can absorb a lot more of the impact. So I thought that was really clever in a, no, we're, we're real violence. Like we're actually hitting each other, this but we're still the mitigating the impact of it. This is one of the things that I said you might like about New Japan, like on last episode, is that their approach to making it look real is to just actually hit each other. I know. <laughs> But then I was so torn because I was like, I like this so much more because they're really hitting each other. And then I was like, but does this mean like all the shit I was brought up to like believe with the the wrestling snobs that were my family and like it glorifies violence and it makes people think violence is good and it's just like entertainment value. And even like looking back at like history, you think, oh, how could people things like gladiator competitions and like arenas, like fighting pits, like how could people like watch that and i'm like here i am being like yeah someone's bleeding when he got like did the headbutt and like all oh, the real punches i already like this more so i'm like oh man then i started to feel like guilty feel bad that i was liking it yeah i can understand that it's definitely it's that fine line you know what i mean it's trying to convince yourself that these people are professionals you know what i mean they know how to make it safe no matter how horrific it looks to us they generally know how to make it safe. Yeah, no, I know. I know they're gonna make it safe, but still, I was more like the moral dilemma in my head of the, oh, I'm proving their point of how wrestling is just a thing that, like, for lack of a better word, I don't have a more mild way to say it, and maybe just I've been playing far too much D and D lately, but just like appeals to the like bloodlust within humanity almost or the just like the enjoyment of violence and then i'm like well then i feel like shit because i never i don't see myself as a person who enjoys that or like that like i'm very much a pacifist and almost everything else and i'm like well am i am i just proving the point that i'm now trying to actively kind of take out of my brain and see again the storytelling the theatrics and the all the other stuff that goes into wrestling and the entertainment or this, but I know there was just like something that's still kind of going on in my head. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the answer to that question is. I can understand that. It's, 
humans have always enjoyed violence, you know what I mean? Like like you said, Roman gladiators, you know, fighting pits, MMA, boxing. You know, humans have always liked violent spectacles. And it's just, whether you believe that encourages other people to be violent or not, it's like, if we didn't have these and didn't put violence on this pedestal and give it a spotlight, would people be less violent? You know what I mean? Or alternatively, does giving people an outlet for this, like these violent thoughts and feelings and letting them see it and stuff, make them less violent? And yeah, I don't that's have the an other argument. on my head. The, the only evidence I do have to sort of give any sort of argument here is that People always try blame video games for violence. And there have been countless, countless studies oh, now done. That just makes my blood boil, the people that buy into all that. Yeah, there have been countless studies done that show that violent video games do not encourage violence. That there is no link between violent video games and violent behavior. Yeah, exactly. Watching the so news I, is more likely to make you a violent sociopath yeah. than playing a video game. So I have to imagine that it would be the same with, you know, things like wrestling. That they would be the same as video games and that there isn't a correlation between them and violence. But that's just, you know, assumptions. I don't have any yeah. empirical evidence to back that up. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny also when you mentioned that, like, the, like, punching match or, like, the part where it just became Okada's, like, fine, we'll just make it a pure, like, impact and Shibata's still winning. Not only was that the part where, to me, it was a very obvious turning point, more towards the, like, WWE style of wrestling, but also for me, that was when I started, until then, I'd completely thought everything was 100%, like, this is all 100% real, like, in the moment, improv athleticism, and then I was like, all right, I could start to see a bit more of that, like, how they've crafted the narrative, how they're going to structure the match, and then after that, it became a lot more, even though they were still really hitting each other, it's like, to me, that's when it started to feel fake. Not that they were, not the physical things they were doing, but more like I could feel, I felt like from that point on, there was outside influence and things that were going to predetermine how the match was going to go. And then the end kind of solidified that feeling for me. Because I feel like if you watch that and were completely, like, naive enough to think that there's no, you know, like, production team or business, like, types who have decided how they want this to end because it's the best storyline and most drama and will sell the most like shibata to me should have won like you said he was out wrestling him and out hitting him almost all the time and then like literally only one who put blood sweat and tears into that match and yet and half okada just looked so dead so much of the time like he looked like i one point it looked like i could actually see his eyes roll back in his head like i didn't even think he was faking him. like he took a lot of hits he'd been like, close to out so many times. And then I, I feel like I didn't even... It happened so fast. He got in one lucky, like... To me, it felt like. He probably didn't. He got in, like, one lucky punch-type thing. Like, they kept saying, that one Rainmaker, that was what, like, turned yeah, it around. Yeah, so that is, that is Okada's finishing move, is that, like, short clothesline he does called the Rainmaker. Yeah, and it just felt like it came out of nowhere, and it was such a fluky thing, and then he wins, and I was so, I was legitimately mad. I was like, Shibata was clearly better. That's actually sort of what's meant to happen, because it, I don't know if you noticed this, but I definitely noticed this, is Shibata didn't try to pin Okada one time in that entire match. He didn't go for really? a single pin attempt in the whole match. Shibata wasn't trying to win. He was trying to prove he's better than Okada. And that ended up being his downfall. You know, he, he kept toying with Okada. He kept giving him space to get back up. Not once? He never... Wow, he that's, never I feel like that's such a major over, oversight Okada. on my part. I feel like, I swear to God, he must have, because the ref was doing the counting, and then mm -hmm. and then Okada, like, kicked out. Like, only not a lot. I think it only happened, like, once or twice. Either imagining it, I'm already reversing in my head who... Because uh, definitely Okada tried to get some pins that Shibata yes. kicked out of a few times, I remember. But I swear to God, it also went the other way around. Damn. That was a bit of a... That, that's a, such a great little example of how pride and, like, ego always being your biggest downfall. Yeah. 
and that's why like the win could that's like wins in wrestling in theory if you buy into you know the story and stuff wins can just happen out of nowhere especially for someone like okada where the whole like part of the whole point of the rainmaker is that he can just pull it out of nowhere he can do it at a moment's notice so he can just win out of nowhere he can just win just like that so for shibata to sort of know that and to never try like pin him or win the match it ended up being his downfall but was it i feel like that's the way they would want it to play off or or because my mind immediately goes is he really that dumb though is he that cocky or is it again someone like i don't know if it would be in wwe the comparison a, a true comparison but it's just like the vince mcmahon and his production team going what's the best story what will sell like what will make people continue to buy like pay-per-views because i don't know how the J- japan new pro wrestling whatever it's called how that is structured if it's run in at all the same way what the like economic corporate financial side of it is now to me that feels also it's it was already decided ahead of time that then okay we want okada to win and we're gonna plan out the fight in this way so it's the most dramatic when he does win and that was also why shibata never tried to pin him because it was predetermined because a lot of uh wrestling the bits of wrestling i've seen can't say a lot i haven't seen a lot that my critique is it feels so pre-planned out and in an obvious way like i don't feel like anything ever there's no chance of it being a pure in the moment and with wrestling of course because they have so much more like wwe so much more like props and some of the more extreme events like things like royal rumble or where like the cage stuff comes obviously that has to be a lot more planned out because there's a lot more shit going on but some of these like the one-on-one matches are supposed to be for like titles or to settle grudges i would love to think that they're completely left up to chance and just who is the better athlete but they're not and this one it felt like at the beginning of the match it felt like it might have been a chance that that was the case and it was a purely a skill based with no outside factors determining who was going to win and then when that when i felt like that became apparent it was untrue i was disappointed yeah so it's i understand entirely where you're coming from that you know generally you can pre-determine who's going to be the victor and when you start to learn about like the you know the storylines of wrestling and following them and stuff like that it can generally become quite easy to predict who's going to win every match on a card you can generally tell who's going to be the victor in each different confrontation and it is them, they do have to try then convince you otherwise. They have to convince you that it can, anyone can win despite you knowing that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah, just, I don't know. I just felt so sad at the end of this one. And like, annoyed because on paper, Shibata was out wrestling him and should have won. And I just got my hopes up since it was so different from any other wrestling I'd ever seen, so I'd only seen things tied to the WWE world. I was very disappointed. <laughs> but. It's like a kid. They dangled a, a cookie in front of me and they took the cookie away. And I was like, I thought I was actually going to get the cookie this time. I'm going to let you into a little secret. That was the plan. You bought in. You became a mark, Laura. We've done it. We've made you a mark. You Episode two. We're done. Story. Everybody go home. <laughs> We, you bought in to the story they were telling that Shibata was better, that he should have won, the crowd was behind him, they wanted him to win, this was his moment. Yeah, the poor crowd too. And they were cheering for him the whole failed. goddamn time. Whole time. I feel like he also failed. because it was so different, I think this was the genre that I was the most likely to buy into. Because also because my bias also that I'm coming into is so heavily tilted towards like as in like as uh, all based around wwe and that again very americanized and by america i mean like north america i'm not just saying u.s for any u.s listeners because i like and pretending i'm so much better because i'm a canadian i mean north america in general (laughs) and so that one i'm immediately also so much more judgmental and so much more removed and almost like actively preventing myself from like taking any enjoyment out of it or because this one 
at the start seemed so different in face value and different in style, I I guess I was more willing to like not be so stubborn coming into it and just try and sit back and enjoy it. Well, we definitely will watch more New Japan because, um, you know, I said at the start about how Meltzer does his star ratings for matches. Yeah. The highest ever match rating he has ever given out went to a New Japan Pro Wrestling match. Nice. So at some point, we have to watch that. Like, oh, yeah. How could we not watch the best wrestling match of all time? Of course. We have to. It has to be done. But, you know, we have a ways to go before we get there. You know, we're, sticking, <laughs> we're sticking to a format. We have a format. Yeah. We're oh, yeah. To it. Also, um, I was going to say, I had a question. The okay. the rope break rules. At first, I kept getting confused as to why they was like, you had them in these holds. Why'd you let them go? And then realized, oh, so if they can get to and touch the ropes, it's like a rule that the person has to let them out of that hold. Is that exclusive to New Japan? Because I don't think that's a thing in WWE. I've never seen that before. Uh, no, it happens in WWE. It's kind of a universal rule, and the rule oh. is that if your opponent, if you have the opponent in a pin or a submission, and they touch the rope or get their foot like underneath the rope, then you're supposed to break the pin or the submission. And Why? if you if you don't break the submission, then the ref starts counting to four, and if he counts to like four, then you get disqualified for not breaking the hold. And it's okay. just it's a way of giving people a way out. Okay. <laughs> just I did, nothing more to it than that. It's just a way I also of... found it like so weird that, and the thing that they kept, I guess the way it was presented was, even though Shibata was a better wrestler, the reason Okada won this match was because it kept saying he can take like punishment and he could take pain. And he was half the time, like again, it's like screaming like an anime character when he's being put in all these holds and his face is like, contorting and even it looks like the refs even being like dude just dude just 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 lose just succeed just like tap out just do it and he was like no and he kept holding up looked at holding up the number one like just being like no just give me one more second give me one more second and he would just like drag himself to the ropes or do something so i find it so weird that it's like your biggest strength is your ability to just take pain um, so you mentioned the ref i actually wanted to ask you about the ref did you what did you have any thoughts about the referee in this match? <laughs> I wrote a note about him that he would make a good drag queen because he can already do the splits. At one part when he's in the hold, he just like casually, not even make like making it look like an effort, just goes into like one of the bent knee like drag queen splits they do in heels all the time on the stage, like the dead like the dead drops are called. And I was like, damn, ref got moves. And the ref seemed a lot more useful and active in this and like a lot more communicative with the wrestlers and also just more needed because like there was real hits and they were also doing like much more of the submissions and holds rather than we throw a few big moves and then we all breathe and look injured then we throw some more big moves and we breathe and look injured because that's how the john cena one felt to me so i i thought they were much more useful in this and like before you see the ref in wwe and i'm like i'll go get why are you here? Go away. No one needs you. Shoo shoo. Like, we all know when the pin's gonna happen. We don't need you to tell us. Whereas here, it felt like, oh no, we might actually need the ref. Another thing as well that this ref does, because the reason I ask whether you noticed a referee is that most people consider this referee, lovingly called Red Shoes, for his red shoes that he wears, the best referee in the world. Oh, really? In wrestling. And the reason is, it's like you say, he adds more... In WWE, a lot of the refs, they feel just, like, non-existent. They're just in the background. They're just there to count pins. They're not a part of the match. They're separate. But this guy really feels like he's part of the match. He's always right there, watching everything they do. You know, yeah. he's always counting everything. He's, like, talking to wrestlers, like, you know, are you going to submit? Are you going to submit? Are you tapping? You know what I mean? Yeah. And another thing he does is that he actually heightens the match for the crowd that's there and for the people watching at home because he does things like after Okada like hit a rainmaker and he goes to the floor and he's still got hold of Shibata's wrist so he can go for another rainmaker the ref points it out the ref like highlights that he's still holding the wrist you know what I mean he makes a point of it 
Yeah. He he adds more to the like story and to the match. He's not just a background figure. Uh-huh. Yeah, I liked this riff. And I liked his shoes. I did I notice did, the I shoes. Did like his <laughs> shoes. Although the one part where I was waiting for him to like step in and he didn't. A lot of the stuff it wasn't a lot of it, but there were like two moments where like shit happened outside the ring. Like at one point Okada like is already thrown Shibata over the ropes and then he like charges him and he falls over like another barrier into people like even outside the ring and at one point they're like beating up on each other outside and I'm like is this I feel like this shouldn't be allowed this feels like it's not supposed to happen where's where's Mr. Ref like all the stuff outside the ring felt super scummy to me and like why is no one stopping this so there is actually an in-universe explanation for this and I, I love it. I'll get your opinion on it. So in Japan, you know, in American wrestling, they have, if people go outside the ring, they have the 10 count to get back in. And if they don't get back in in 10, they get disqualified or like the match is over. Or if one person's in the ring and the other gets counted out, the person in the ring wins. Mm-hmm. Um, in New Japan, it's a 20 count, but it goes a lot faster. So it, it ends up the same, really. But basically, New Japan have this like, it's an unspoken rule, like it's an unspoken sort of tradition where in big matches, like big important title matches or main events of cards, they're looser with the rules. So normally going out into the crowd is like, it's a qualifiable offence. Like you're not allowed to do that. But because it's a big match, the ref gives them leeway. He's like, these guys are going to go all out. This match means everything to them be a bit looser with the rules for them okay because yeah because i i noticed the 20 count i did notice that and it was longer at least like the numbers have gone past 10 what's happening but they started it really late like they would let things happen and then after they've like you know yeah done some dirty work out of the ring then they and start that's what counting. i'm talking about with them yeah. being looser with the rules like they you know they don't start the 20 immediately yeah. they like let people do stuff outside the ring and i kind of i don't know how you feel about that but I love that as, like, an explanation that, like, because it's a big match, we give them more room. You know, we're, we're Yeah, like, I can, I can see that. Like, I, I don't like the rule, but I get it. I don't dislike it enough where I'm like, oh, it makes me angry or takes me out of the match. Like, it makes sense. Like you said, it, it, I can see it aligning with the rules of their, their universe, so to speak. So one more thing I noticed. Oh, okay. sorry. So, so one more thing I thought was different in this than like WWE stuff. Uh, WWE, a lot of the athleticism comes in like the form of raw strength, like when they do like the like flips off of like top ropes or like the jumps on these people or like these really crazy moves. This one there was a lot more just like agile feats going on like at one point shibata literally and uh i've been playing all the kingdom hearts games lately because kingdom hearts 3 comes out i wrote he just pulled an aqua he did like this cartwheel side flip which is how aqua dodges in birth by sleep and literally it looked like dead on i could have just animated him over her into the game and it would have been the same movement and i was hella impressed by that <laughs> and there's just little things like that there's a lot more like really really quick and dexterous and like nimble movements on the part of the wrestlers compared to some of the more like lumbering clunky but just raw feats of strength that i see more fitting of wwe yeah i can definitely um see that um do you have much more in your notes to go through nope just like more of the same we've kind of covered all of them oh and then the the one part was like the one move that stood out the most the one part where Shibata, like, Okada was sitting down on the ground, like, in one of his, like, looking very out of it, very injured moments. He, like, goes to the other end of the arena, runs across the whole thing, and, like, and, like kicks him, and, like, a drop kick, jump kick to, like, his head. And I'm like, okay, like, wow, how, what do you even do? Because every other move, it's like, clearly, they're not fake, they're hitting each other, but it was done in a way to at least mitigate some of the impact. I'm like, how? How is there any way you just did anything remotely less than you just straight up the whole body weight at his face just right now and i was like i actually like full-on cringed back in my chair and like kind of like brought my hands up to my face for a minute it was just like oh 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 that looks like it hurt 
Yeah, there's a lot of parts of this match, I don't know if you felt the same way, where it's so physical and it all looks so real that you find yourself, like, wincing while watching it. Yeah! It, like, and I'm trying just... to figure out how it was either faked or mitigated and I couldn't a lot of the time. Which is what you want. Like, that's that's good. Yeah. Another thing that uh, this, like, actually just hitting each other allows for is, did you notice that, you know in WWE when they did replays, they would show the start of the move slow-mo, and then as the actual, like, impact happened, speed up. So you can't notice it. So you can't tell, yeah. Did you notice in this one, they don't? They just yeah. do full slow motion for their replays because they don't. You get to watch the to fun faces. Yeah. <laughs> you get to like full on see their flesh buckle from the strike yeah. <laughs> because the strikes actually hit. So there's no reason not to just show them in slow motion. Yeah. Which I yeah love. for sure. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about uh, just because it's like one of my favorite moments in the whole match was when Okada went for a Rainmaker on Shibata, his big finishing move, and Shibata just stood there and tanked it. Yeah. The, the best bit about it is, you can see Okada actually just hit that. You can see the sweat fly off of Shibata's oh, chest. Oh, there were so many times you could just see sweat spraying in the air from the hits, and you I'm like, this is weird. You could see his chest buckle. You could see his flesh, like, distort. You could see the sweat fly off. And yet he just stood there and took it. I was, ah, oh, I loved that spot so much. So much. Yeah. Like, just, like, and it, that also ties into, like, I was saying also from a, because I know a lot of my friends that are women that watch wrestling love to talk about, of course, because as any, like, not asexual woman uh, who is, like, into males watching wrestling notices, like, they're, they're, they're large, like, buff dudes, and a lot of them have, like, their favorites, and I know the names of some wrestlers purely from them talking about the ones that they fancy and everything, but, like, these guys I thought were so much more, like, that was the first time I could actually start to kind of, like, put myself in their shoes, and, you know, I, I was like, Shibata is super, super hot. Would not kick did him you, out of did bed. You appreciate, <laughs> did you appreciate his package? I was gonna say, oh, man, because of, like, his little, like, black like super tight little like speedo that he was wearing it, i was like try most of the time i was not looking at it because i was genuinely like all right there's like crazy things going on but every so often there just be there's one camera angle where they started it was early on in the match it might have been before they started fighting the camera just like zooms in on his like crotch and hips area and then slowly pans up and i'm like what are you what are you trying to do mr cameraman like i didn't need i didn't need to be thinking about that and now 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 i just can't help it like, um, but, so yeah. Overall, you liked the match. Then you liked how sort of stiff it was. You sort of bought into the story they were trying to tell that Shibata yeah. should have won. He should have. He did everything right, yeah. but just was cocky. You know, he was trying too hard to like make a point rather than just you know, yeah, win. With both of them though, I legit also this one and like, not at all in a. This isn't. At least I'm not trying to say it in like a like culturally insensitive way, but like it felt like watching anime in real life and not just because they're like Japanese, but because they they, they took so many things about anime. It's like people take all these up like, crazy, ridiculous like hits and blows that should like there's no way. It should be straight up dead. Like I'm watching One Piece right now and the sheer amount of times like Trafalgar Law should be dead as fuck. <laughs> like right now. He has taken so many life ending absolutely crazy impacts and like things keep on happening he keeps on trucking because it's anime these guys looked so beaten up at so many times like the, like i said eyes rolling back in their heads like swaying where they stood and not in like the cheesy way that a lot of wwe they're acting like like john cena at the end of that last match like looking that oh no what do i do i've done my finisher he didn't take it and like him looking around the arena like he's looking to pull answers out of the air like just very melodramatic whereas these guys actually looked like they were they were pretty rough if matt mercer was narrating the match he'd be like they're looking pretty rough in critical role and yet they then it would keep going and not even like in the half dead way they'd all of a sudden have nowhere like jump up and do something crazy athletic it was like their ability to rally 
and take hits, I still go back and forth on whether I'm like, that's amazing, that's extra impressive, it made me enjoy it more, or that's stupid and unrealistic, like, there's no way, there's just, how, how, it's just, it's so over the top, it's like watching an anime happen in real life. What did you think of Shibata's post-match selling? Well, yeah, and that too, I was like, oh, so now, now you can barely stand, now you crawl out of the arena when you've been doing this forever, because he literally, they're all like, he's walking out, he's still falling over, he's refusing help and playing up. Again, the way, like, James says when he's talking about wrestling all the time, they have to do stuff like that in WWE, because it's, like, the biggest, like, struggle they have I would think it's, okay, People, someone needs to lose. Someone needs to get the shit kicked out of them. But we still need to keep all of our characters looking strong. We don't want them to lose face completely. Because then why would you come back and watch them fight someone else, right? So it's think they do things like that. Like his whole walk out of the arena, refusing any help, still like tripping half the time and still like falling to his knees because he's so fatigued and injured having to get back up. But it just, I don't know. I think maybe just because I was still the distaste left in my mouth from the fact that he lost in the first place and I felt like it shouldn't have happened. It just made me, it didn't feel like, I wasn't like, oh, poor him or oh, wow, he's really tired. I was like, now, now you're tired. Really, all match. You've been taken, you literally stood there and let each other punch each other uh, like some sort of weird male pissing contest where you'd literally just stand there, not try and do anything, just like you punch, then I punch, then you punch, then I punch, until one of us is strong enough to make the other one back down. And like, now you're gonna like crawl away? It, I don't know. Uh, I've just remembered. I don't know what you said that made me remember this, but I just remembered another moment I really <laughs> loved in this match, which is when Shibata stands in front of Okada and goes, hit, like, hit me. And Okada hits him. And he goes, hit me! And he hits yeah, him again. Yeah, like shit like that. And he like just that. drops him. <laughs> I loved that so much. He's like, he's like, hit me harder. He hits him. No, harder. Hits him again. Harder. Hits him again. And then Shibata just... See, I did That's one of the moments I didn't like at all. Because I was like, why would you... Again, if your goal is to win, and to, so you need to be the less physically fatigued or injured of the two, do that. Why would you... Like, really? The... Do you think the, the bravado that you gain from doing this and just looking like, oh yeah, I'm so cool. I l- let this guy punch me. That was the whole me. story like, of the match, was that Shibata wasn't trying to win. He was trying to prove a point. So it actually fits in with the story of the match. But I don't... I don't like that, though. Unlike uh, the other things that they did to tell that story made me buy into it. That was one of the moments where I was pulled out of it briefly and then I was drawn back in by the end anyway but I definitely remember watching that and really hating that moment thinking this is fucking stupid you're both wasting time you're both being dumb this helps neither of you win the match and that should be endgame endgame should be win the match I I, I can see where you're coming from but at the same time it was so badass so badass I can't help but love it (laughs) and if this was an action movie or yes. a scene from, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it would have fit in perfectly. But it's not. It's for a title. And they built it, like, to take the belt off this guy who's had it for so long. So one of you needs to win it to save face. The other one of you wants to dethrone this titan. That's not how you're going to do it. And I didn't like it. But it was really cool. <laughs> yeah. And would have um, fit in great in a different scenario. So there is something we need to discuss about this match. And we've sort of gone over everything actually in the match. But there is something we we can't watch this match and not talk about it. It's the elephant in the room that we need to address. Oh god. The I'm afraid. Oh, the the bloody bloody headbutt? (laughs) Yes. So I mentioned this last time. I told you a little story and you seem to have forgotten it, which is good because I'm glad you went into the match without this in your mind. Yeah. That headbutt ended Shibata's career. Because he's not allowed to, like, draw blood or something? No, because he cracked <gasps> his own skull. Oh, shit, yeah, you told me. And oh. he started bleeding from his brain, which caused a pressure buildup inside of his skull. And a lot of that collapsing that he was doing after the match... Oh, I feel so bad legitimate. now for being like, now's the time, really? Now you- he, oh, my God. <laughs> when he got backstage and off camera, he collapsed to the floor and was rushed to hospital where oh they operated on his skull to relieve like the pressure from the blood. 
I feel like such a dick. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, like we have to <sighs> talk about it. Wait. Going back to something we talked about earlier. And he still didn't to... win. He ended his career and he didn't yep. get the win. That's so depressing. Oh he went on God. a high note, though. What a match. <laughs> what I a guess, match. yeah, if that's going to be your final match. Um, But we were talking earlier about how there's a fine line to cross between making it look real and being safe. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be wrestling these matches all the time and you're going to be doing it for, like, 30 40 years you need to work a safe level where you can keep doing it for that long but you need to do it not safe enough that it looks real to the audience and there's different approaches to this in wwe they go for the very very safe approach which makes a lot of sense for them because they work the hardest schedule in all of wrestling Oh yeah, because there's so many hundreds events and hundreds of matches every year, so it makes sense that they want to keep things as safe as possible because otherwise they wouldn't be able to run that schedule. Just makes total sense. New Japan take a much more, much less safe approach. They actually you know hit each other and stuff, and the matches take a much greater physical toll on people's bodies, but they wrestle barely ever. You know what I mean? Like they don't have a weekly television show, you know, or out like that. Okay, um, I didn't know that. But, like, Shibata crossed that line in this match. You know, yeah. he went to a point where he was no longer just making it realistic. He was just really, like, really hitting people. Yeah, because that would freaking hurt. And he suffered for it. You know what I mean? He crossed the line and it cost him his career, you know? So was it because of the injury? It's like he both physically was no longer able to wrestle but then also the like the officials of new japan bros and were like no you're you're done because you like you said you crossed that line or was it one or the other like did you then recover from the injury just to be told you're no longer like part of this or was it it was we're, we're, even injury. if you do recover we're not letting you come back it's purely injury okay. because basically He's now had like long lasting damage and stuff and won't be medically cleared to wrestle. So it's not oh, like okay. the officials won't let him, it's that the doctors won't because doctors he's so won't, yeah. beat up. And but I do feel and you need to clarify that this wasn't a one off thing. He did that spot in loads of matches leading up to this. And that's why it was so devastating because he kept doing it. He kept punishing his body, yeah. you know, and yeah. he paid the toll for it. Yeah, for sure, because at least that's the, like, other than, other than, of course, the upside to fake violence is that they can do the disclaimer of everyone knows this is fake. What do you mean? We're not making people more violent or we're not glorifying violence anyway. But yeah, also then you get to keep your, your athletes a lot longer. (laughs) So do you have any final thoughts on the match or any final comments before we sort of I can't believe I forgot that you told me that. I feel dumb. <laughs> um, like I say, I'm glad you did, though, because I'm glad you went into the match not remember it. I'm glad you went in without that in your mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because when you know that, it colours the match. You know what I mean? The match becomes a lot harder to watch. Yeah, I was gonna say, I almost feel, oh, I feel even more conflicted. Because I was saying at the beginning, I feel conflicted for enjoying the parts that I did because what part of that enjoyment came from the fact that it was much more realistic violence but now I feel even worse because then I was like well at the same time cheering when he bled and he's like oh you messed up your brain pretty bad at the same same time loads of New Japan wrestlers wrestle this style without getting brain surgery yeah you know and (laughs) like the headbutt it added a bit to the match it was a great spot but it didn't add that much that it was worth it so they could have easily done this match without the headbutt and Shibata still would have been wrestling today. So, you know what I mean? It's it's not that their style is necessarily like How old like were they the, in uh, that match, if you don't mind me asking? So, to blow your mind a bit. So, Shibata's quite old. Uh, I'm not sure how old he was in that match, but probably like late 30s or so. Oh, okay. Um... Let me actually look it up. Because that's one you. thing I've realised. I don't actually have any concept of the average age of a wrestler because of course since like the the 
it's very fake in WWE. I'm sure as long as they maintain their outward appearance, like, you know, keep up with the skincare and keep up with the gym routine, eat well and stuff, they can probably wrestle for a long time. Like, yeah. more though than, like, if it was purely based on So, to give you some feats context, of strength, right? AJ Styles is 41. Okay. John Cena is 41. I knew John Cena was in his 40s, but purely because I know him as an actor. <laughs> yeah. Shibata, when this match took place, was 37. Okay. Yeah, see, like, so, I was assuming they were a lot younger, because most sports are used to, like, yeah. you know, like, peak is in your 20s, and yeah. 30s is already, like, oh, late in the game for you to be an athlete, but this is very different. Yeah. Whereas Okada, so the crazy thing about him, right, and this is this is kind of terrifying to think about, is, so AJ Styles is now sort of at, like, the height of his career at 41. Shibata here was at the height of his career, and he's 37. Yeah. Okada, who was the other person in this match, who's held that title when this match took place for 290 days, is the biggest star in all of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and arguably the best wrestler on the planet. He's 29 at this, when this match took place. Damn. Good for him. So he still has, like, a hell of a long time still to go. Yeah, you know what I mean? Shit, like, he's dude. still got a lot of years left in him, and he's already at such a high level. It's kind of terrifying to think about. Yeah. Um, well, then. So I think we'll, like, close this one out now, because I think we've said all that needs saying. <laughs> uh, next week... Uh, not next week. I keep saying next week. It's not next week. It's next two Next weeks. episode. Yeah, next episode. Uh, I think we will go on to watch a PWG match. What's that? Uh, pro Wrestling Gorilla. Uh, basically, it's a wrestling promotion that was set up by a bunch of wrestlers. And their commentators are wrestlers. Their bookers are wrestlers. Like So it's like a promotion sort of for wrestlers run by wrestlers i'm really disappointed that there are no actual gorillas involved but sounds cool their logo is a gorilla <laughs> um but th- these guys are basically they're a really really small indie promotion but they're generally seen as sort of almost the talent scouts of the industry okay. because generally whenever they pick people up and start having them wrestle at their promotion a few, like, two years down the line, that person will be, like, the biggest thing in the industry. They always seem to pick people up who then go on to be huge. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have a great track record uh, with it, and it's actually, like, WWE sends some of their top officials to each of their shows as talent scouts. Mm-hmm. Because they're seen as that reliable at the job, you know, of picking up talented people. Yeah. But the reason we're going to them is they're not the next logical choice, they're not like the third biggest promotion or anything like that. Yeah. But they're my favorite. So okay. I'm picking them arbitrarily. Fair. Because they're my favorite. I will so, blindly watch whatever you put in front of me. So I am yep. game. <laughs> so yeah, next uh, episode we will watch a match from PWG. Oh, I gotta rate the ep- the the match. You do. We almost forgot again. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, so I'm, what, I'm what so conflicted. Oh. Would you give it? Well, because before I. Re- remembered that tidbit I went higher but now I now I'm like I don't want to give it such a high star cuz again even though it's like this already happened this was years ago me me doing this has no ad- bearing at all on <laughs> what's going to happen but I still feel like it's condoning that and it's like oh it's like yeah I'm saying it's a good thing that you injured yourself so severely and wrecked your career cuz I mean we're like oh oh I don't know okay originally I was going to give it Three and a half out of five stars. Most of the deductions coming from just how disappointed I was that Shibata didn't win when he, I felt like he should have. But I'll move it down now knowing that too and also like, oh, not cool, dude. You took it too far. Bump it down to three instead of three and a half out of five stars. Because it was okay. also still better and much more enjoyable for me than the yeah. AJ Styles John Cena one. So just so you are aware, um, Meltzer actually had the same dilemma. Where he oh, gave really? this match five stars. He thought this was like one of the best matches he's seen, 
but he was really conflicted. Like, he wrote a massive paragraph in his review of the match dedicated to that like one spot and saying like, I almost I was tempted to not give this five stars. He's like I was tempted to give this a lower rating because I don't want to encourage this. Like that spot yeah. added almost nothing to the match. The match would have been just as good without that spot. Like you don't need to do that. If any other wrestlers are like reading this, don't do that. It's not worth it. And he just like he didn't want to be seen as sort of encouraging that. And it really like he he had the same sort of conflict of you know do I rate it lower? <laughs> because like do I rate it as a match, or do I you know rate it lower? Because of, you know, the sort of out-of-match consequences of it. Yeah. He had that same conflict. But yeah. That's so kind of cool. That's the end of the episode, guys. We will be back in two weeks' time watching um, a match from PWG. Um, I think we'll watch uh, Donovan Dijak. I think that's how you pronounce his name. It's a mouthful. I know. Don- Donovan... Dijak. <laughs> Something along those lines. Um, against Keith Lee. And yeah, we'll be back in two weeks' time. If you want to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter at MAM Wrestling. And we actually have a website now, although it's a super, super mouthful because it's a Wix site. So if you just follow us on Twitter, MAM Wrestling. You can find a link to our website there and you can check out the podcast. The podcast is now on iTunes. So if you are an iTunes person, Ooh, you can go and exciting. listen to it on iTunes. And it is also now on Stitcher. So if you like listening to your podcast on Stitcher, you can go find it on Stitcher. So it's on Stitcher and iTunes. Just search for Making a Mark Wrestling or follow us at, on Twitter at MAM Wrestling for any news and updates. And thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys.